This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. It's good to see you at Christian Chapel. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here. And if you're a guest, we're especially thrilled that you're here with us. You're joining us on week one of a new series of messages called Unbreakable Marriage, uh, which you can probably put two and two together. We're going to be talking about marriage for the next uh, three weeks. So um, it's a good time for us to do that. It's uh, the month of made-up holidays, um, you know, coming up soon. So uh, get ready for that. Uh, just kind of disclaimer every year. Make I make a few jokes of like how Angie and I don't celebrate, and then sometimes there's a, a husband who takes me literally and doesn't buy his wife a, even a card for Valentine's Day. Don't be that guy. Like, I am all talk. I talk about how it's made up and you shouldn't do anything, and I am buying cards and flowers and taking her to lunch. And, uh, like, it's one thing to say it um, when your wife knows you don't mean it, but uh, some of you just don't. It's not going to go well for you. So even though she says, I don't want anything, that's code for I want something. Um, And and if you can just learn to understand that, marriage is going to go a lot better for you. Um, But we're going to spend the next three weeks working through Ephesians chapter 5. There's a a pretty extensive passage. We'll read the whole thing this morning where Paul talks to us about marriage. He talks about the the foundation of an unbreakable marriage. He talks about what it takes for a, a husband, a wife to fully participate in an unbreakable marriage. And then he finishes by talking to us about how an unbreakable marriage provides one of the greatest witnesses to the world of the transforming power of the gospel. And so that's kind of the order we're going to work through it. Today we're going to talk about um, the foundation of an unbreakable marriage. Next week, what it looks like to be an unbreakable wife, to be an unbreakable husband. And then the following week, uh, we'll just kind of talk about why God places such a high value on marriage and why the high value God places on marriage also puts such a big target on your marriage for the enemy. And so that's, that's the way we're going to work through these. Um, before we get started, though, there's always a, a few disclaimers that I need to make when we um, spend a, kind of an extended time talking about marriage. First of all, I understand and am aware that not everyone in the room this morning is married. And so my kind of plea to you is if you're not married, don't view the next three weeks as, well, uh, that's good for them. I'm going to stay home and just hang out. Because I think we can all agree whether we are single, divorced, widowed, happily married, unhappily married, uh, we all understand the value of marriage. And so if you're a single person, my hope is if marriage is something God has in your future, then over the next couple weeks you're able to hear uh, some of these things and, and kind of put them in your heart, see what you can be doing now to prepare yourself for good, healthy, thriving marriage. Uh, for those of us who are married, that we'll continue to hear and listen as well. So I get that sometimes um, marriage can, can bring up some feelings of pain, sadness, disappointment, depending on what your experience might be. But my prayer is just that we'll be able to kind of put those feelings aside long enough to hear what God is saying to us through the scriptures each week. Um, the, the second disclaimer that I feel like we have to throw out every time is if you are in an abusive marriage relationship this morning, um, our first concern for you is that you find safety 
and you find a way to, uh, for you and if you have kids at home, for them to be safe as well. So over the coming weeks, we're going to talk about what it looks like for a husband and wife to submit to one another. We're going to talk about laying down our rights, our privileges for the sake of our marriage. But if you are in a, a physically abusive relationship, an unsafe environment for you and your children, please do not let your spouse twist the scriptures or my sermons to keep you in a space that is not safe for you. So if, if you're there, um, I want to offer you, you can, when you grab a bulletin, our emails are on the back of it for all of our pastoral staff. You can shoot us an email. We have uh, walked with couples, with individuals through that, families through that before. We know how to do that discreetly in a way that helps you. If you're the abusive spouse, um, I, I believe this morning God still has plans for you. And part of that plan is getting you whole and healthy, but also getting your family safe from you until you are whole and healthy. So if you're kind of on either side of that, we just we need to say that, probably need to say it repeatedly, because there's going to be some statements I'm going to make today and in the coming weeks that for an abused spouse are going to feel heavy and oppressive, because it's going to be about, hey, submit, lay down your rights, lay down your privileges, uh, but, but just know if you're in an abusive, unsafe relationship, we would love to help you find healing and find wholeness through that process. You don't have to, you don't have to do that alone. Um, the, the third thing that we want to throw out every time is um, I do not have a perfect marriage. Now, I love my wife. Uh, we get along very well. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some things that Angie and I are still working on. This uh, June 2nd of this year will be our 19th year wedding anniversary, um, which means I got married when I was 19. So this is the year where I have now been married to Angie longer than I was not married to her, right? And so uh, I feel like that gives me some freedom to be like, look, at this point, you're as responsible for this mess as I am, right? Like, I just, I, I've tried, you've tried, this might be as good as it gets, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, it, 19 years, we've learned some things. And what we've learned is that um, we don't have a perfect marriage. And what I've learned is we don't have a perfect marriage because I'm part of it, right? Um, and, and same thing for you. Like, you don't have a perfect marriage because you're involved in it. And you might think at times, well, if I had someone else, it'd be, no, it wouldn't because you would still go and you mess up everything. Okay, same thing for me. Like, we, we just always do that. So 19 years, we've learned some stuff, but we've also learned that this process of two people becoming one is something that has to happen over and over and over again. And in new seasons of life, they bring new challenges. And so you're constantly fighting against everything that wants to tear you apart. So over the coming weeks, if, if you're close to us or you've observed us, there might be some times where, where I'm saying, hey, this is what husbands are supposed to do. And you're thinking, Chris, I've seen you. You don't do that. Uh, you're probably right. Uh, but my shortcomings don't excuse you from following what the scriptures call us to. Right? And, and so Angie and I, we're not elevating ourselves up. Now, we have a marriage that I would happily wish on other people. But at the same time, it is not absolute perfection. So, so don't hold me to that. And then lastly, which is important every week, but especially with marriage sermons, um, I really want to encourage you to listen for you over the next three weeks, right? And, and what I mean by that is some of us, we've already, like maybe you saw some of the, the social media stuff, or you got an email this week saying, hey, we're talking about marriage this Sunday, and you thought, finally, my husband needs to hear this, right? My wife, I hope the next three weeks fixes her, because I've had some ideas, and I've shared them with her, and she's not listening. But maybe, so, so we just, we have that, those thoughts of like, yeah, let's hear what the scriptures say to my spouse, 
right? Let's hear what the scriptures say. Like, husbands, some of you already, you know what Ephesians 5 says about wives submit to your husbands. You're like, I can't wait to get there, right? And, and wives, some of you know it says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for them. You're like, he does not do that. Get him. Right, and, and so we just kind of have this, this thought at times of like, if, if my marriage would just be perfect if someone would just fix my spouse. What I want to encourage all of us to do is come the next three weeks just laying down all of those expectations, laying down everything we want to change in the other person, and instead just saying, Lord, will you speak to me? Because here, here's the thing. When we are constantly listening to what the scriptures say to other people, we inhibit our ability to hear what God is trying to say to us. And what we're going to talk about today is how the primary gift you can give to your spouse is a soul that is completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. And that starts with you just coming with an open-handed, open-minded approach of saying, I just want to hear what the scriptures say to me about this relationship and trust that God can do the same for my spouse, right? And, And I think we can all agree the Holy Spirit is always better at being the Holy Spirit to your spouse than you are. Right? And I know some of you, you think that your voice and the Holy Spirit are the same. They're not. Okay? He can speak to your spouse, and he's going to, but let him speak. So resist the urge when you get in the car today to be like, hey, do you hear that? Sound familiar? Right? Like just, just don't do it. It's not going to go well for you. It's not going to end well. So let's, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning and work through this. We're going to look in verse 21. It's a, an extended passage. We'll have it uh, here on the screens for you as well. Paul writes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing of water with the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery I'm talking about, Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, as I said, that these, this scripture is going to kind of guide us for the next three weeks, and this morning we're going to focus on just that very first verse, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Now, you would expect if Paul was going to give us marriage advice that he might actually start with marriage advice. But before Paul says, husbands do this or wives do that, he says, all of you submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Now, the, the, the best way for us to understand that, that passage is actually to work through it backwards. Out of reverence for Christ, we're going to submit to each other. Now, that idea of of reverence for Christ is a reminder to us that we are to live all of our lives knowing that it's all about Jesus. 
There is no aspect of my life where it is all about me, all about my priorities. But when Jesus saves me, when he calls me his son, his daughter, when he has redeemed me of my sins and brought me into his family, now every single part of my life is intended to be influenced by Jesus and to point others back to him. So when Paul tells us to live in reverence for Christ, he's pointing us back towards this Old Testament idea that we read about called the fear of God. That we're to live in the fear of God. Now, it's, it's not this, this literal, like, I'm afraid of him, I'm terrified to be in his presence, but it's a holy and reverent sense of awe. It's an understanding that God is completely different than us. He is above us, he is beyond us, and yet, in his holiness and righteousness, he has chosen to interact with us and to welcome us into a relationship with him. When we live with reverence for Christ, we understand the point of everything in my life is to point myself and others to Jesus. Now, what that means for marriage is it means the primary goal of marriage is not my happiness or your happiness. It's to revere Jesus in this most close and intimate relationship that I have. I didn't, but, but if we're honest, what we'll see is most of our marriage problems become, uh, are rooted in this idea of, well, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not having the experience I desire. I'm not feeling all of these things. And what it reveals is we have taken our eyes off of marriage as a place to revere Jesus Christ, and we have shifted it, and we think marriage is now primarily about me, my feelings, my happiness, and my contentment. And so what Paul reminds us of is when you revere Jesus in every relationship, it reminds you that he is the God of everything and everyone. So in your marriage, there is one Lord and King, and it is not the husband or the wife, it is Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul's telling us. Look, if you want an unbreakable marriage, it starts with an understanding of Jesus is the point of everything. And then he says, when you, when you live with this reverence for Christ, the way it's going to play out in your relationships with others, not just husband and wife, but all of your relationships with other believers, is you are going to be willing to submit to each other. Now, submission is not something that we really enjoy talking about or that we really enjoy being told uh, should be a part of our life because submission involves placing ourselves under someone else. It involves saying, I will subject my desires, I will subject my rights, I will subject my privileges, I will, re- I will subject every part of me for the good, for the benefit of someone else. And that's not always a pleasant experience for us, right? And, and if you're being called to submit to someone who is evil, to someone who's manipulative, to someone who's abusive, then yes, that is something that, that we're going to reject and we're going to really be afraid of. But what Paul is telling us is, look, he's, he's talking about a relationship where two people both mutually revere Jesus Christ, live with an attitude of reverent worship towards him, and when you live that way, you can joyfully submit to each other. And this idea of mutual submission must be one of the hallmarks of Christian marriage. It's one of the things that makes the marriage between two believers different than any other marriage you see in the world. Because we understand, as a husband and a wife, the primary goal of this relationship is the same as the primary goal of our life. It is to surrender every single thing to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to lay down what I want. I'm going to lay down what I desire, not because I think I'm some kind of martyr, But because I understand there is a larger goal in mind here, and if two people are going to become one flesh, then it's going to require both of them continually lay down all their sin, all their selfishness, be united to Jesus, and then be united to each other. 
So the foundation for an unbreakable marriage is your relationship with Jesus Christ. What that means for us then is anytime we start to have marriage problems, it's for one of two reasons. Either because we have stopped revering Jesus or because we have stopped submitting to each other. And Now, you might have different names for your marriage problems this morning. You might call it uh, communication issues. You might call it conflict resolution issues. You might call it your mother-in-law. Uh, you know, you, there's all kinds of things. You might, I don't know why mother-in-laws always get a bad rap. Sometimes it's your father-in-law. Usually it's your mother-in-law, though. Uh, so I, but I don't know. I, don't, I know. I don't get it. Not my mom uh, and not Angie's mom, but I've heard some of you mother-in-laws are difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they just kind of, we name, our, we name our problems. We say, this is the problem, this is the issue, this is what it is. But if you really boil it down to the very, very bottom of it, every marriage problem at its core is either a failure to submit to each other or a failure to revere Jesus Christ. At some point, we lose sight of the point of marriage, and we have decided the point of this relationship is for you to make me happy. And when you're not making me happy, then I'm going to stop doing the things that I know make you happy. And then we're going to get kind of stuck in this destructive cycle where we are both withholding the things that we know should be giving. And what that reveals is we have lost a desire to submit to each other, and that desire to submit to each other is rooted in our reverence for Christ. And so our marriage issues many times are worship issues. We've stopped worshiping Jesus. We've stopped turning all of our lives to him, and we have started to turn inward. We've started to worship ourselves, to worship our desires. And what you will quickly find out when you stop worshiping Jesus and you start placing those desires on your spouse is they are going to let you down over and over and over again. I, I don't know about you. I am a terrible savior for my wife. Right? My wife is a terrible savior for me. Neither one of us can stand up under the pressure of I need you to perfectly and finally fulfill every longing in my heart. Right? And, and the, one of the reasons we're so bad at that is, is we can't always even verbalize the things that are way down deep inside of us. We don't know why we feel the way we do. We don't know why we act the way we do at times. There are things in your soul that only Jesus can satisfy, places where only he can give you peace. And when you live with an attitude of reverence for him, he works in those spaces. But when you stop worshiping Jesus, you start looking for other gods to fill these voids. When you begin to look to your spouse, what you're going to find is they are incapable of doing it. And that is going to lead you to frustration. It's going to lead you to isolation. It's going to lead you to say, well, if they can't do that for me, then I'm not going to do this for them. The submission is going to leave. The reverence for Christ is going to leave. And you're going to be stuck in this very, very hard space. See, the good news is, though, if, if our relationship with Jesus is a foundation for an unbreakable marriage, then that's the one thing in your marriage that you have complete and total control over. There are all kinds of aspects of an unbreakable marriage that you can't control. You can't control your spouse. You can't control the home they grew up in. You can't control the environment that you were raised in. You can't control the way marriage was modeled for you for good or for bad. You can't control the stresses of life. You can't always control the schedule and the demands of time that pull you apart as a husband and a wife. You can't control some of the decisions your kids make and the stress that that adds to your marriage. You can't control some of the health or financial issues and the way those tend to try to pull you apart. And all of these things come to try to break an unbreakable bond that God has created. But the one thing you and I can absolutely, 100%, all the time control is our connection to Jesus Christ. 
And so what Paul says is, look, if you want an unbreakable marriage, you need to be bound to Jesus. And that's something that only I control in my life. Jesus has moved towards me. He has moved towards you. He's revealed himself. It doesn't matter if you are single, divorced, widowed, whatever this morning. You completely control your ability to say yes to Jesus. And as he moves in your heart and he reveals himself as your savior, he convicts you of sin, you control if you will say yes or no to that. You control every day if you will maintain your connection with him. You control if you'll spend time with him. You control if you'll read the scriptures. You control if you'll engage in a Christian community that builds you up and encourages you in your faith. You control if you will use your gifts and your abilities to further his kingdom and more thoroughly entwine your life with his. All of these things you control. And in marriage, when you stop making those investments... It opens the door for sin. It opens the door for selfishness to take hold. And it begins to kind of make a a ripple through your life, poisoning everything it touches, including your marriage. And so we've got to understand, an unbreakable marriage is built on our unbreakable bond to Jesus. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon writes about the importance of close personal relationships. And he's talking about how life is always better when we have close friends. And he, he makes a statement, you're probably familiar with it, in Ecclesiastes 4.12, um, that I, I think is really going to help us understand what Paul is saying to us in Ephesians 5. So Solomon writes, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now what, what I want us to understand this morning, and, and we'll try to help here. So first of all, If you've got good eyesight, you have already looked and seen like, well, the scripture says a cord of three strands and you have four. Um, First of all, I want to say good job. Uh, Second of all, I want to say relax because you're a type A personality and this has already bothered you. And you're already thinking of this is how I would have done it differently, right? If you were here last week, this is what uh, Pastor Chris is thinking right now. Like that is four, it should be three. If he would have braided that one together ahead of time, everything would have been fine. But now, okay, so that's you just stop. Stop, because I'm a three, and when you criticize my performance, I take it personally, okay? So, um, and if you don't know the Enneagram stuff, that's fine. You're you're fine. Uh, But here's, here's what Solomon is saying, and here's what Paul is saying. Paul tells us that when your life is bound to Jesus, and your spouse's life is bound to Jesus, when you both live in reverence for Christ, Jesus then binds you together in a unique, powerful, unbreakable bond. Okay, now, now we already talked about it. You can't control your spouse's relationship with Jesus. You can do everything you can to encourage it. You can do everything to make it easy for them to follow Jesus. But you cannot control their individual surrender to Jesus. And so what Paul is saying is, look, if this is you and this is Jesus, all you can control is just your ability to let him interweave his life with yours. Right, And so just in in every part of it, you're going to become attached to him. And then your prayer is that over here on the other side, your spouse is going to do the same thing. They're going to say yes to Jesus, and they're going to hear his voice. And then what we're going to trust God to do is exactly what Genesis says, that a man will leave his father and mother. He will already be united with Jesus. She will already be united with Jesus. They will come together, and God takes two people and turns them into one flesh. Now, I know I still got four, but I need you just to pretend that both white ones have become one, okay? And then we understand what Solomon says. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. 
Now, this is God's ideal for your marriage. This is the foundation of an unbreakable marriage. Our marriages are most secure when our hearts are securely bound to Jesus. But you as a couple cannot be bound to Jesus together unless you are bound to him individually. So husbands, the greatest gift you can give to your wife this morning is a heart that is completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. Wives, the biggest blessing, the greatest strength you can add to your marriage is a heart that is completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. And then God can take two individuals whose lives have been completely connected with Christ and in a supernatural way, he can unite them together creating a bond that becomes unbreakable because of the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit in your marriage. This is what we're longing for. This is what we're striving for. This is what the scriptures promise can and will happen for us. There's a a couple challenges with that, though. For for some of us this morning, we're already thinking of, that's all well and good, but I know people who aren't Christians, and they have a great marriage. And I would say, I do too. They they love each other, they're committed to one another, they serve each other, they seem to genuinely like and enjoy each other. They have great marriages, but what the scriptures teach us and what we believe as followers of Christ is there is always an element missing in any relationship where Jesus is not present. There is a depth of spiritual connection that only comes through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Part of it is his working to bring us together. Part of it is his leading us on a path for the sake of his kingdom and his glory. And so, yeah, we can all think of some exceptions to the rule, but what the scriptures are telling us is, hey, as followers of Christ, we have to understand my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in my life, and then he is the one who's going to unite me with someone else who shares that same passionate relationship. The the other thing we have to understand is sometimes for some of us, we have, uh, as a single person, united our lives with Christ. And we see this, and we're thinking, that's what I want. Like, I want to find someone else who is as passionate for Jesus as I am. I want to find someone else whose life has been interwoven with Christ, and now they're willing to come together with me. And, And yet sometimes what we find is the path to finding that person is a little longer and more difficult than what we had anticipated. And sadly, we see we see Christians all the time kind of making this decision of, well, if I can't find that, then I'm just gonna settle for something else. And I'll just, you know, if I can't find somebody who shares my conviction, shares my passion, then I'll just kind of turn the corner and find somebody who's, who's okay. Again, I love Jesus, and, and I think he does, right? I love Jesus, and she said she'll go to church with me, so I think it'll be fine. We'll, we'll do this. And, and what we wind up doing is we wind up worshiping our loneliness more than we worship Jesus. And we attach our lives to people who do not share that same passionate desire, that same relationship with Jesus. And so it's hard for two people to become one when there is not a mutual and shared connection to Jesus Christ. If you're in that, that spot this morning, I would encourage you to go home today and read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, if, if you're a believer, don't yoke yourself, don't join yourself together with an unbeliever. He says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What connection between believers and unbelievers? And what he's telling us is in your closest, most personal, most intimate relationships in life, the the proper foundation is a mutual submission and reverence for Jesus Christ. And so if you're in that spot this morning, 
Hold out for the one who loves Jesus. Don't let your loneliness pursue you down a path. And, and, and I get it, right? I mean, you heard me say I got married at 19. So you can be sitting there this morning thinking, that's great for you. It's easy to say. You got no idea what it's like to be in your late 20s, your 30s, still waiting for that one. You're right. But I believe when God speaks, he does it for a reason. I believe his plans and purposes are best for us. And I believe he has that person out there for you. So don't settle, don't compromise, but wait. Just wait. And, and then the other side of that is some of us are here this morning, we see that picture and we think, that's what I want. But my spouse doesn't love Jesus. My spouse isn't a Christian. Right, either I was a Christian, we got married, I thought they'd come around, they never really did, or neither one of us were Christians when we got married, and, and, and then I became a follower of Jesus, and they haven't, and, and they're not committed, so, so am I ever going to experience this level of connection? And there can be a temptation in that space to feel like, well, maybe I'm not, so I'll just leave them, and I'll go try to find somebody else who loves Jesus like I love Jesus. Now, if, if you find yourself in that situation this morning, I again encourage you, go home this afternoon, read 1 Corinthians 7. And there Paul's going to speak specifically to your situation. He's going to say, if a believing spouse is married to an unbeliever, the believing spouse should stay in that marriage for as long as the unbeliever is willing to. He says, if the unbeliever wants to walk away from it, let them go. But otherwise, you are to stay. And the reason you are to stay is who knows, but that through your presence, your household and your spouse might become followers of Christ. And so your job is to love Jesus, your job is to maintain your connection with him, and your job is to live your faith out in front of your spouse every single day, believing that over time the Spirit will continue to work, continue to lead, continue to guide, will win their hearts, and you too will then experience a connection that you have never known before. And, and you might think that's just, that's not very realistic. And, and I know if you're, if you're in that spot, I've talked to some of you, I know it's hard. And yet I also know that it works. Again, Angie and I, we, we witnessed this firsthand with her mom and dad. When they got married, neither one of them were Christians. When her mom was in her like late 20s, early 30s, she became a Christian and just discovered this, this life-giving, transforming relationship with Jesus. And she started taking Angie and her brothers to church, and she threw herself in to a, a whole life commitment to Jesus Christ. And for decades, Angie's dad was a Christmas, Easter, kids program church attender. Like that, that was when he showed up, and he was a loving father, he was a good husband, he was a good provider, but he just didn't have a lot of need for Jesus in his life. And yet her mom just stayed, and she was faithful to him, and she was faithful to the Lord, and she loved her kids, and she prayed for them, and she tried to establish them on a path where they would be easy for them to know Jesus, and she just kept being a witness to Gary. And what, what Angie and I were able to see was about the time we got married, Nobody really knows why. Gary never really talked a lot about it, but there was a switch that flipped for him. And suddenly Jesus moved past, that's my wife's thing, to this is something I need and this is something I want to experience. And we watched him in his 60s surrender his life to Jesus and begin this process of discipleship. To the point that, that when he died at, at 69 years old, he had a heart that was fully devoted to the Lord. And they began, even though it was just the last decade of their marriage, they started to get this experience that they hadn't had for all of those years. And so my encouragement to you today is if your life is bound to Jesus and your spouse's is not, if that's a safe place for you to be, stay there. Because who knows that they might be won over through your presence and through your witness.
What Paul is telling us is, look, this, this unbreakable bond between you and Jesus, it is attractive to the world. It is attractive to other people. And when a husband and a wife both mutually and individually have this bond to Christ, he then weaves their lives together in such a unique and powerful way that it presents a beautiful picture to the world of who Jesus is and how he relates to us. And we're going to get into that a little bit in two weeks about how marriage can be one of the primary tools for telling the gospel to the world. But for today, I just want to kind of leave you with this idea of this is God's plan, and he always works to accomplish his plan. And so you might be here this morning, and you think, that's, that's great, but you don't really know where I am or where we are in our relationship. Right, you, you might be here and you, you had to come alone this morning because your spouse had no interest in coming with you. Right? And, and my encouragement to you is just keep trusting Jesus. Just keep your individual connection to him going. Just do everything you can to grow in the strength of that relationship every day and keep praying for your spouse. And in your prayers for your spouse, stop praying for God to change their behaviors and start praying for God to get a hold of their heart. Because as their bond to him strengthens and your bond strengthens, he will take two people and make them one. I know it's a, it's a beautiful picture, and yet I know the reality is it's very hard. Anybody who's been married more than a week or two could honestly say marriage is hard, right? Anybody? Like, should we have the testimony? Would you guys like to come share your, like, this is why marriage is hard? Um, Probably not. That probably wouldn't end well for any of us. Um, and, And yet we have hundreds of stories this morning of why marriage is hard. What I, what I want you to think about is the primary reason your marriage is hard this morning, the primary reason we all have a hard time in marriage at times, is because marriage is God's idea. Right, now, that doesn't mean God designed marriage to be hard. But what it means is because marriage is God's idea and because God designed marriage to be one of the greatest tools for preaching the gospel to the world, that creates a massive bullseye on your marriage for the enemy. And the space where God says, my power and my presence are going to be most evident. This is the relationship I'm going to use to tell the world about how much I love them. It's only natural that that's the relationship that the enemy would say, that's where I am going to relentlessly tack. And so marriage is hard because the enemy is determined to destroy your marriage. Because when he can destroy your marriage, the ripple effects go throughout your life. And if any of you like me, if, if, if you grew up in a home where divorce was part of your experience, you understand there are ripple effects that come with it. Or maybe you've had to walk through that and you see the pain that it caused. And, and if you have, don't leave discouraged this morning. God can redeem and move and restore even in broken areas. But for those of you that are married this morning, you're thinking, yeah, that's great, but my marriage is just so hard, you don't understand. My encouragement to you is, yes, it's hard, because the enemy wants to separate what God has joined together. He wants to destroy what God has set up. And so if your marriage is hard this morning, you're not alone. You're not the only one going through it. There's nothing unique about your circumstances. It just means that what God intended for good the enemy is trying to destroy. And so this morning, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for every single one of us is that individually we will renew our commitment to surrender our lives completely and totally to Jesus Christ.
saying, Lord, bind me to yourself. And if you're married, you'll start praying those prayers for your spouse. And we're just trusting and we're believing that God is gonna work, God is gonna move. And as he binds my heart to him, he's gonna do the same for my spouse. And we might be going through some hard moments right now. But difficulty is not a sign that we're supposed to quit. It's a place for us to experience the power and the presence of Jesus. I didn't, and if you can follow him through this dry season, if you can follow him through these dusty moments, if you can follow him through those questions of, I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of this year. As he binds your heart to him and he binds your spouse's heart to him and he begins to bind you together, you will come through stronger, closer, and more ready to serve as a witness to the world than you ever have at any point in your life. But it begins with your individual surrender to Jesus. And so if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus today, that's the number one thing you need to do. You need to ask him to forgive you of your sins. You need to ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. And then from there, he's going to start working through all of your relationships. For those of us who are following Jesus, our first prayer today is still, Lord, bind my heart to you. Help me revere you in every aspect of my life. Do the same for my spouse. And then we're going to pray those prayers of bind us together. If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you this morning. The band's going to come back and lead us in a final song. Jesus, we come to you this morning and we pray that that you would speak to us individually, Lord. I pray for those who don't have a relationship with you today. They've never said yes to you. They've never asked you to forgive them of their sins, to become their Savior and their Lord. I pray today that they would take that first step of a relationship. That they would move from knowing about you to knowing you. Lord, as we receive your forgiveness, may it lead us into a new way of life that is, is defined by your power and your presence. And Lord, I pray for everyone here who has started that relationship. I ask today that you would strengthen our connection to you. Lord, help us to take individual responsibility for our relationship with you. Help us to once again prioritize the time we spend with you, to listen to your voice, to respond to your leadings and guidings. Help us, Lord, as we read the scriptures, to not just do it as a matter of spiritual discipline, but as opportunities for you to speak and lead. And Lord, as you bind our hearts to you individually, I pray that you would begin to bind the hearts of husbands to their wives and wives to their husbands. Lord, you see the marriages today that, that are good, but there's some tough spaces. And we ask, Lord, that, that you would not allow us to believe the lies of the enemy, that this is the way it will always be. But to surrender our marriages to you, to let this be a space where you work and you move, where you heal and restore, where you renew commitments and you solidify connections. Lord, I pray for those marriages that are, that are struggling, that are on life support this morning. Lord, they're not real sure what their next steps might be. And Jesus, we pray that this year would be one of restoration and healing. We pray it would be a year where sins are forgiven. We pray it would be a year where truth is revealed. 
Lord, we pray it would be a year where the defenses are laid down. The arguments and the fights are stopped. And there's a surrender to your power, a surrender to your plan and to your presence. Jesus, we ask that you would be the God who restores. You would be the God who renews. You would be the God who accomplishes your plans in our lives. Just a moment that the band's gonna lead us in the song they sang earlier. It just talks about God's ability to make a way for his plan to, to be our experience in every season. As they sang through it earlier, I just felt like this was God's message to us this morning. It doesn't really, if you're married, it doesn't matter how you feel about your marriage this morning. It doesn't matter what you think is going to happen. God is going to make a way to restore the connection you have with Jesus and to restore the connection you have with your spouse. So I'm going to ask you just to sing this as a statement of faith. If you want someone to join with you in prayer, you can head out the back doors and to your left. Some of our pastors and prayer team will be there. The rest of us, we're going to sing this as our belief that God makes a way for us to experience the fullness of his plans in every relationship.
Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.